This is the Inside Cloud Channel podcast. I'm your host, Zegert van der Linden. At any given day, Microsoft detects around one and a half million attempts to hack their cloud services. One and a half million a day. That's ten and a half million a week, more than half a billion attacks a year. If you want your data to be safe from these attacks, then identity management is your first line of defense. In the second episode of the Inside Cloud Channel podcast, we touched briefly on this subject, and today we'll dive deeper into it. Here with me to talk about the topic are Insights Alex Malos and Roger Osterberg. Hey guys, good to see you. Hello. Hey, yeah. One and a half million attacks each day. Alex, what kind of attacks do I need to think of? Well, it's it's millions, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's um, there are different flavors of attacks, and of course, the cyber criminals are are always trying to to learn as well and and to get better and better every time. But the number one, which has uh, been there for a long time and still is, is phishing. The, the phishing attacks means uh well weak and guessable passwords so whenever the the users are are configuring a very easy to guess password these um, cyber criminals are taking uh, advantage of that so they are guessing it very easily and then using it to do uh, bad stuff within the that person's uh, yeah organization or or personal details. Next to that, there are the the yeah botnets or or ransomware, which are well quite uh, maybe hard to to grasp. But well, the, let me go through it a little bit in detail. So um, a, a botnet is well a, a bot in the first place is a program that allows an attacker to take control of an uh, infected computer. And the botnet is well a network of these infected computers that communicate uh, in a control and uh, command and control uh, manner to 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 um, m- make use of this entire net of uh, of, of uh, uh, computers. The, the the these cyber criminals are conducting a, a variety of attacks so I, I was mentioning the phishings but they're with the botnets they are sending over spams uh, doing denial of service attacks on websites spreading malware and and like um, well you, you may have encountered this yourself the the click fraud links where you are on an online site and there is a, a, a um, big highlight to say click here if you want to win a million dollars or oh, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. so that kind of stuff you usually don't win a million dollars with those kind of links <laughs> i've uh, encountered no. exactly yeah <laughs> um then then um there is you may have heard of this one as well the next one is ransomware and that means that that happened in 2017 that was the most popular one uh it was a type of malware that was locking and encrypting the computers and then they were asking you money so that they grant you back your the, the access to the computer and that's something that has happened worldwide not in in only certain countries yeah i think i think just a few months ago it happened to a university in the netherlands uh w- where all the computers were uh, were infected with ransomware and uh, they they had to pay uh, yeah. a lot of money yeah 
Exactly. So they are taking advantage of all these scenarios to 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 make a lot of money out of it. And uh, and Roger, how does uh, Microsoft fend off these attacks? Oh, that's a broad question. Oh, uh, they are doing tons of things. Uh, first, they um, they spend around one billion US dollar per year on cybersecurity. They invest a lot of money to increase the security in their platform both with uh, staff, so that it's monitored by, by a security expert 24-7. Um, another thing is that they added a lot of security layers. Uh, so one is Security Graph, for example, who that service is uh, monitoring Azure constantly. And I think the latest numbers I saw that they're analyzing 6.5 trillion signals per day to uh, identify patterns and threats, and they adjust their whole security model from this analysis. Uh, and uh, they also use AI uh, on top of that. So there's a lot of things they do. Uh, so it's, it's very comprehensive. Yeah. Um, uh, Alex, identities are important to protect your own uh, uh, services. Uh, let's refresh our minds. What are identities in Azure? Well, it's the first to, to start with are the, the users, right? There is a username and there is a password that, that the user is creating uh, for accessing an environment. But next to that, that user can be part of a security group. So that a, a group is an, another type of identity. Then a, a computer can have access to a resource as well. So then uh, we, we have something which, well, in, in Azure are called uh, service principles, which is an abstract term. But the, the main idea is that that particular identity is not the user, is not uh, you or me connecting to the computer, typing in our username and password, but is writing, rather allowing a system to communicate with another system, so to say. There are different types of uh, identities and for each one of them uh, we need to, to ensure that that uh, the data is protected and those identities are properly protected it's like in the example we gave earlier if if you allow the user to type in a password that's called password one two three well that is a easily guessable password so yeah so that's that's step number one if your password is still abc one two three please please change it um that's one but uh, then then uh, the second step roger uh, is something um, yeah we maybe know uh, multi-factor authentication that's that's something that's a must right yeah definitely um <clears throat> it wasn't so in the beginning it was more of a recommendation uh, in the past but uh, for now it's um, automatically uh, enabled for at least administrative accounts uh, and it's highly recommended to add also on the user so it gives you another layer of security where uh, you use your phone uh, an app sms or something as a secondary authentication uh, beyond your username and the password so it's it's uh, it's really important yes yeah, so for example when i log into microsoft teams i need to uh, uh, log in with my username my password and then i get an, uh, a text message on my phone with a code and i need to enter that as well and, and then i can uh, enter microsoft teams and that's that's a form of two fact of multi-factor authentication yeah 
and you probably have something similar at your bank. It can be an app, it could be a little device or something, and it works in the same way. So even if your username and password are compromised, uh, they still can't access your data because they, they cannot reach that last level of authentication. So by enabling MFA, you're, you're increasing, you're improving your security with 99.9%, so to say. So it's, it's really a, a handy way. Everybody has a phone nowadays. So, so on that phone, you can send a push notification or receive a call or a text message, as you mentioned. And, and just by doing so, uh, your account is definitely way more secure than just using a password. Yeah, so this is uh, multi-factor authentication for my personal uh, identity. For, for uh, but there, Alex, you, you explained to us there are more than one sort of identity. Uh, uh, the more complex identities, can they have something like multi-factor authentication too? Well, first, the username and password is something for the humans, right? And, yeah. And, we all are humans and we all make mistakes so that's the easiest way to um, to to, to uh, become attacked by creating a guessable password but within a system everything happens under the hood so so nobody can intercept that because um, they, they cannot intercept the communication between these systems in the first place um, and and the, the 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 way they are they can be configured is to grant them access for a certain period of time only when they are doing certain uh, activities and, and by that i mean you can configure them to communicate between 8 p.m and 9 p.m and the rest of it not they're not allowed to have access and then you don't grant on you don't grant them access to all the systems for your user, when you grant your user access, it can by default access the entire system. Whereas, so, so you can access both, uh, um, well, a, a portal and a say virtual machine and a storage account and uh, whatever, if you don't limit that kind of access. Whereas for this service principles, particularly, you can decide to, to make them communicate only with a certain component within uh, uh within the, the the azure platform and the rest of it is banned anyway they don't have that certain yeah. access yeah um roger there's also something like called conditional access C can you explain to us what that is yes uh conditional access is <clears throat> is a set of conditions that you need to meet to be able to get access to uh, a vm or files or whatever and it often is being used in combination with multi-factor authentication. Uh, so one condition for a VM, for example, can be, um, or, or a system, can be that you do a check on your system. Uh, what kind of operating system do you have? Do you have Windows 10? Okay, check. Uh, do you have the latest patches? Check. Uh, do you have, um, what kind of location are you connecting from? Are you connecting from where our component uh, internet or uh, internal network? Or are you connecting from, uh, I don't know, internet cafe? Uh, depending on all these conditions, we, uh, we can say, check, 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 you're granted access. Or you can get partially granted. Yeah, so that's a bit like when I'm, when I'm working 
and I want to access uh, working from home and I want to access the, 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 the servers from, from my work, uh, I cannot access that because that's only uh, possible when I'm at work and I'm not when I'm at home. So that's they don't check that box. So yeah. I'm out of that. Could be a condition. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, so so the this is a handy tool for a system administrator, I guess, to to block certain logins, to allow certain logins. Um, what what can a system administrator do to benefit from conditional access? Well, um, it's it's uh, so coming to to Roger's note, if you're uh, connecting from work or as you mentioned when you are connecting from work you are allowed to access a certain system when you're uh, not at work that doesn't work for you one way to configure one other way to configure it would be whenever you are connecting from a network which is not secure from that perspective so the the network from your work is considered secure and all the rest is considered unsecure that is the moment when they can configure multi-factor authentication so are you connecting from outside the corporate network then you need to use your multi-factor authentication to be able to to receive access next to that you can decide which apps can be accessed whenever you are not connecting from the corporate network that's another layer of granularity next to, to, to what roger was mentioning the device you are connecting from the operating system it has the location you are connecting from and what is the the actual state of your uh, uh, device is it compliant is it not compliant and and and, and uh, uh, Roger in 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 Microsoft Azure how do you keep track who can access what and when and where because that can be a, a lot of information to keep track of so there is various tools um, <clears throat> uh, to manage that uh, one system for example is uh, RBAC uh, role based access control where you can <clears throat> define roles you can define uh, groups, so then you can add those uh, roles to groups. So you're certain that members of this group can access this resource, for example. Uh, another way of doing it is to add policies. So you can uh, add policies to different resources and uh, automatically deploy uh, certain security rules and uh, uh, settings. Uh, otherwise, it's easy if you have a large um, setup or large deployment it can be easy to forget some sometimes when you deploy a new machine or a new resource if you have policies then it will be automatically added yeah if you have for example 20 uh, employees well it's a lot easier to keep track of things than when you have 200 or 2000 employees of course yeah yeah um final question i want to get back to that one and a half million attacks we talked about in the, in the first time does microsoft learn something from the attacks it fans of it's a big question, but maybe a little little answer, Roger. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as I said, they're <clears throat> they're using AI to analyze all of these uh, patterns uh, and also uh, logins and and, and, and every, everything they're monitoring. They uh, store it uh, uh, the pattern of of the uh, attack, and they also configure the whole security graph. And from there, they also configure a security center. Um, uh, 
Defender and all their services that protects the whole Office 365 Dynamics and Azure platform. So they definitely learn from it, or the AI and the system learns from it. The, the nice part is that if, if um, they spot a certain attack in, say, the United States, within, within seconds they will apply that fix to all their data centers in the entire world, so, so that uh, in Europe or, or Australia or, or Asia or, or Africa or whatever, the, the, that attack won't happen again because they already learned from it and they've applied the patches for, for all of them. You've been listening to the Inside Cloud Channel podcast hosted by me, Segert van der Linde. Special thanks to Insights Alex Malos and Roger Osterberg. Want to know more about Insight and their services? Check insight.com. Next time we'll be back with a new episode. Then we'll be talking about a topic that's related to safety and identities automation. How and what does Microsoft learn from all the attacks it fends off every week? That's in the next episode. In the meantime, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back next week. See you then.